Hi everyone, Todd here. Uh, This month at Bethel, we've been wrestling with what it means to walk through times of suffering and tragedy. Um, We don't talk about this at church maybe as much as we should because we're constantly encountering it. Uh, If it's not something you're going through today, uh, it's someone you know and love, and tomorrow it might be you. So this month we're diving deep into this reality and looking for God in the middle of it because we all walk through valleys. Um, Today on the podcast, we have Will Drugsma, our worship leader, preaching about what we can hold on to when tragedy, suffering, and pain turn our world upside down. Uh, I took a lot out of it, and I hope you do too. Good morning. It's me again. Um, Let me get my stuff here. Ready? well, yes, as Todd said, I, uh, the worship leader here, been leading worship uh, around three and a half years or so, and uh, I know myself and my family are blessed to be here and uh, blessed to be a part of this uh, of this family here. Um, yes, as as Todd said, it's an absolute absolute privilege to be uh, up here uh, talking to you this morning. Uh, the Puritans, they were a, a group of Christians uh, who found their way to North America in the 16th, 17th century. Um, they called the pulpit, they called it the sacred desk. And they called it that not because the, the pulpit itself was sacred, but because the weight, the authority that God's word had when it was read and preached from the pulpit. Uh, so, so trust me, believe me, it's an absolute privilege to be here with you today to share God's word. Um, Before we dive in, uh, let's pray together as we start. God, we rejoice that this book is not merely speculation about you, but revelation from you. We rejoice that your word does not ignore the sufferings and trials of this life, but rather meets them head on and promises to us your faithfulness through them. God, if I would say anything that is true and faithful, God, please cause it to be remembered. If I would say anything, God, contrary to your word, I'd ask that you would please let it be forgotten. Guide us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, so I want to begin our time today with this premise. And the premise is this. All right, listen closely. There is nobody here whose life cannot be turned upside down with one phone call, text message, or knock at the door. I'm going to say it again. The basic premise as we start today is this, that there is nobody sitting here today whose life cannot be thrown into trial, tribulation, and turmoil in the blink of an eye. Have, uh, have you guys been there? Have you held your breath as you know that something is just not right? Have you felt the sudden weight of suffering sink into your body? Perhaps you guys can relate to some of these uh, from the prayers this morning. I think we can. Your test results came back. We've discovered that you have cancer. We're sorry, but we're moving in a different direction. And at this time, you are not the right fit. We're letting you go. There's nothing left to do. We are done. I don't love you. I want a divorce. Mom called. Dad had an accident and passed away. Mom, Dad, I don't want your church and I don't want your faith. 
I'm leaving and I'm never coming back. So our phone call, it came to us, more specifically to my wife, Adrian, Wednesday, July 11th, 2018. Uh, a couple hours previous to the call, uh, we returned home from the hospital. Uh, we were at uh, Adrian's 20-week ultrasound appointment. Uh, we had an envelope with us on our way home that we could just barely wait to open. Inside was a card, a card revealing the gender of the baby growing inside my bride's belly. We got home, we congregated in the living room, probably took about five seconds to get from the van to the living room, and uh, we gave the honor of opening the envelope to our firstborn, our son, Liam. So we're in the living room, all right? The seal's broken, the card is pulled out. We asked Liam, what color is the heart? And he goes, it's a heart. I said, Liam, I know it's a heart, buddy. What color is the heart? Pink, he said. Another girl, my goodness, another precious daughter to myself, Adrian, a baby sister for Evie, Evangeline as we call her. She's the redhead that runs around here. I'm sure you've seen her. Uh, and a blessing to our entire family. So about two hours later, Adrian's cell phone rang. She picked it up, said hello, and after a brief moment, quickly went into the bedroom and shut the door. I remember exactly what I was doing and what I was wearing. I was washing the dishes, my favorite green t-shirt, my blue pants. A couple minutes later, my bride of nearly seven years at that time emerged from our bedroom. And I'll never forget it with eyes that looked right at me and right through me at the same time. Honey, our daughter doesn't have a brain. She's going to die. You see, one day, one moment, one call, that's all it took and that's all it takes. I need you guys to hear me today before we continue. The question is not, will suffering come? Because it will. The question that we need to focus on as we go forward is this. When suffering sweeps through like a torrent, to what, or more importantly, to whom do we cling? I'm going to ask it again, or say it again. When suffering sweeps through like a torrent, to what, or more importantly, to whom do we cling? Might I submit to you as we begin that our faith, our endurance, our joy, and our hope are in the faithfulness of God. But why, right? But how can we say that? Um, if you'd be so kind, I would encourage you to turn uh, in your Bibles, if you have them, or a swipe on your app to uh, Psalm 121. Let's see if I can pull it up here. There it is. All right. Wonderful. Um, while you're turning uh, or swiping there, might I submit uh, this to you. That all of Scripture, in particular the Psalms, they, they paint a picture of God that is simply... Uh, it's simply unbelievable when we compare it to our human weakness, our inadequacies, and our limitations, right? Uh, in a passage in Isaiah, it says that God, uh, it says his ways, that is God's ways, they're not our ways, right? They're not our thoughts. He's different. He's holy. He's set apart from us. 
Psalm 121 is one of those passages that demonstrates this point, so please follow along with me as I read. Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, for those of you who, who've read Scripture your whole life, who know your Bible, um, you, you've likely heard this many times, but if we can just sit for one moment and imagine that, right? Imagine this truth. Imagine for one brief moment that the God who made us, the God who sees us, the God who hears us, the God who doesn't let our foot slip, he never sleeps, he never slumbers. In other words, he is always present, always active, and ever faithful in any and every season of life. Amen? That kernel, that, that seed of truth, it's so sweet to the taste in a season of suffering, is it not? How many of you, this is church, don't lie, how many of you, now be honest, after a terrible night of sleep, you are barely a Christian before coffee time. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm saved, I'm redeemed, but y'all better leave me alone before I get my liquid sanctification. Um, someone asked me once, it was Shelly, I remember that, Shelly Johnson, I want to put you on the spot, Shelly. But we were, uh, we were practicing, uh, we were at uh, worship team rehearsal uh, before church, and I had a sip of, sip of coffee and I said uh, something that, like how awesome it is and how good it made me feel. And, uh, and uh, she asked if I was addicted to coffee. I said, addict? I was like, addicted? Really? Addicted from one sip? I said, I'm not addicted. I just need it every day. <laughs> I said, it's different. There's a huge difference. Um, the, the point I'm driving towards is that all it takes for us is one bad night of sleep, one bad day at the office, one day of kids not listening, hypothetically, um, to remove our body, our mind, our soul from, from being present uh, to those around us. Um, I'm sure you've been there. I know I have as well. Um, have, you, have you said you'd pray for someone and you just simply forgot? Have you let someone down who absolutely needed your presence, your investment? I have. I know I have. I'd wager that you have as well. Perhaps a specific person is even coming to mind. You see, we're so fragile, we're so frail in comparison to the nature of God that we see here in Scripture. Right? Isaiah 40, uh, what we just sang about. Uh, many of you have heard that passage. It says that God is an everlasting God. He will never grow weak or tired. Young men, strong men, the boldest man will fall with no exception in exhaustion. Right? No matter how strong, how fit, how uh, resilient you are, you will fall in exhaustion. You will tire. We cling to God in our darkest, our weakest, our most tiresome moments. And why do we do that? Why would we do that? Simply put from what we see in Scripture, when, when we suffer and grow weary, He does not. Right? When the torrent comes, he's not a piece of, of driftwood that we fling ourselves over, but rather he's an unshakable, he's a mighty fortress, is our God, like the, the great hymn says. 
As Psalm 121 states, our help, it comes from the Lord. He will never grow weak. He will never grow weary. But not only that, right? Not only that. We can cling and trust God through our suffering because not only does his love and affection for us never waver or leave, but he, all right, hear this. Hear this, church. He uses our season of suffering to produce in us a maturity, a character, and ultimately a joy that is entirely backwards to how our culture and our human nature experiences suffering. I'm going to say it again. I'm preaching to you and I'm preaching to me this morning. He uses our season of suffering to produce in us a maturity, a character, and ultimately a joy that is entirely countercultural. It's antithetical to who we are and what our nature is. You see, he welcomes us in our deepest, darkest moments to cling to him as we are, but loves us so much that even in the midst of trouble, He's seeking to mature us, give us hope, and give us a joy that can only come from being rooted in Jesus Christ. So let's take another look at Scripture here. I invite you to turn, if you, if you may, if you would, to James chapter 1. Uh, this is likely a verse. I'm sure you're very... A passage I'm sure you're very familiar with if you've been in, in church for any amount of time. Uh, it's an amazing verse, but simply a verse, um, I'm sad to say, I, I would bet dollars to donuts. A lot of us have simply ignored, simply ignored it in our life. Let's read it together. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy. All right, that's enough. Stop. This is the first thing he talks about, okay? James, an apostle of Jesus Christ, in a letter, an epistle written to his church, this is the first thing that he mentions. Let's start again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure... What? What was that again? Joy? Okay. How many of you, like me, you absolutely believe that this is the Word of God, but at times you're like, really? Are you sure that's what it's supposed to say? Are you positive, positive, positive? Okay, we're going to go back a little bit in the time machine here. Do you remember the older versions of Microsoft Word where when you'd make a typo or some grammatical error, that little paper clip would pop up? Do you remember that? It'd say, oh, did you mean to say this or that? Or did you mean to say for, F-O-U-R, instead of F-O-R-E or whatever? I feel like if this letter, if this epistle was written in Microsoft Word, that paper clip, or it would have been a papyrus clip at that point, um, it would have popped up and said, I see you're writing a first century epistle. Did you mean to say consider it pure terribleness? Perhaps consider it awful, my brothers and sisters. Right? Because as sinful humans, we, we want to take 
We want the text to mold around what we're feeling rather than let the text mold our hearts to it, right? And this, te- this text, it's exceedingly difficult because it pulls us out of our natural state of being when we suffer, right? But one of the, one of the awesome, one of the glorious things about Scripture is that so very often uh, when instruction is given to us, I need you to hear this, church, hear this, hear this this morning. It's not for the comfort of our lives, but it's for the construction of our heart, right? When wisdom, when instruction is imparted to us from Scripture, it's not for the comfort of our lives, but for the construction of our heart. It, it flips our understanding, and it, it calls us to action that will shake loose the dirt from our hearts and plant in us seeds of truth that will lead us to a deeper more rooted walk in Christ. Amen? Do you see that? Do you see what's going on in this passage here? He's, he's taking our season of suffering. Um, side note. It says when you face, right? Whenever you face. Not if you should ever face. Right? When you face a season of suffering, he is using it to produce the fruits of perseverance and joy. Not a single moment of your suffering, of my suffering, of our suffering is ever wasted. No tear goes unseen. No cry goes unheard. No prayer goes unanswered. Romans 8, right? Famous passage in Romans 8 says what? That in all things, he works for the good of those who love him, right? I'm going to read that again. That in all things, he works for the good, G-O-O-D, not happiness, not comfort, of those who love him. You know, sometimes we, when, when people are suffering around us, we, we might use something like James chapter 1, uh, Romans chapter 8, and we kind of we pull it out like a, like a scriptural currency from our wallet, right? We, we see someone's hurting, and we just take a dollar out, and we just give them a verse, right? We say, consider pure joy, Nux. See you later, right? We say, here's what God said. Take it up with him, right? I don't want to invest in the suffering. I don't want to invest and abide with you and bear your burdens like Scripture says, right? I think we can do better. I think if we look at James chapter 1, we look at that passage in Romans 8, we see more than verses that we just hand to people in the midst of their suffering, When taken together, I think we see that in our suffering, God works to produce true, real, and meaningful, not only happiness, but joy, right? As a side note, side note over here, I'm not anti-happy, okay? If you're happy here today, I'm happy for you. If we're voting yay or nay on happiness, I vote yay, and I think you would too. But what's the difference, right? What's the difference between, in our suffering, happiness and joy? It's, a comp- it's complicated, isn't it? It's complicated to say what, uh, what differentiate those two things. And uh, this morning as we stand, uh, I don't pretend to have the final answer. I might have a different answer when I walk out to the parking lot here this morning. But uh, as I stand here today with you, here's what I'll say. Happiness is rooted in your circumstance. Joy is rooted in your Savior. Again, happiness 
is rooted in your circumstance, while joy is rooted in your Savior. Meaning this, church, this is awesome. Meaning that when your life, when your anything is in a dire circumstance, if you're, if you're rooted in your circumstance, right, that piece of driftwood, it'll get caught by a wave and sent sailing out of your hands. Right? Every time. How many of you in a season of suffering would say, I'm happy? Right? You cling to that piece of driftwood, that piece of carnage, it will get swept from your hands every single time. But if you cling, if you and I, if us, if we cling and are rooted in the rock of our, of your salvation, then only then can you consider it pure joy, right? And do what the scripture says. Consider it joy when you face all kinds of trials, right? Because God will never leave you, not forsake you, and in doing so, he will produce in you a faith with an unshakable perseverance, right? A faith that can endure, a faith that won't wither, a faith that in the midst of suffering can cry out and say, you know what? God, this is hard, but I am yours, you are mine, and with you I will not falter, I will not fall. Amen, church? Amen. See, our hope is in God. He will not waste a single solitary ounce of your suffering. As we draw to a, to a close here, um, I want to continue with this, if I may. If you're here today, and you are in the valley, as it says, and that day has come upon you, I want to share a few closing thoughts and hopefully some encouraging words for you. Okay, to suffer is to recognize that something is wrong. It's okay to feel uncomfortable when you, when someone you know, or even someone you don't know, is suffering. You see, that seed, that, that discontent in your heart, it's this truth. We suffer because the world is broken. We suffer because something is not right. Our daughter, Willow Marie Drugsma, was born... She died November 29th, 2018. See, we had that day. Literally, we had one day. One day of meeting our daughter alive and that very same day saying goodbye. I know that God saw me. God saw Adrian. And God sees you. And the people of God are here for you. Three things I want to close with. From my heart to yours, please hear these words. Number one, if you're suffering today, I'm very sorry. I don't want to explain it away. I don't want to hit the proverbial uh, eject button. I don't want to give you scriptural currency from my wallet to yours. If you're hurting, it's real, right? It's raw, and it's painful. I recognize that. And us, as the people of God here today, we recognize it as well. Number two, 
You can trust God with your suffering. He is near to you, and make no mistake, he knows the depths of your hearts. He knows the depths of your suffering. See, the very same God who breathed life into your lungs hears every breath of prayer that is uttered from your mouth. Every single one. He hears you. He will not waste a single ounce, a single moment of this season of suffering. Number three. Finally, if you're here today and you're in a season of suffering, trust this, hear this, believe this today. You have a conqueror. You have a king. You have a Christ that has come to once and for all bring an end to suffering. His name is Jesus. Many of you here today, many of you I know, you know your Bibles. And you know this truth, but the Bible is timeless, so its words are always timely. God created the world, and it was good, right? Our first parents, they they dwelt in the garden with God in peace and prosperity. They chose to disobey, and in sin and in doing so, brought death, destruction, and suffering. See, we live amongst the carnage of that day, right? Suffering exists, right? We heard it in the prayers this morning. People get sick. People have accidents. People pass away. Suffering exists, and it may be here for you. It may be here for someone you know today. But here's the good news, church. A new day. A new day is coming. Amen? See, Adam, through him, he brought sin. He brought suffering and shame. Jesus came to bear that suffering and shame. Adam, through sin, he brought thistles. He brought thorns to creation. Jesus, he came and what? He bore a crown of thorns. Adam, through sin, he brought death. Jesus, through death, brought new life and resurrection and an end to suffering once and for all. As we dwell, as we sit, as we ponder, as we live in this fallen world, trust me, that day, the valley will come. That day will come. That day of suffering will come. Right? What do we see in James chapter 1? When you face trials, not if you face. When you face But more importantly, that day, right? That day, capital T, capital D, will come when suffering, sin, and death will be conquered once and for all and forevermore. On that day, on that glorious day, every tear will be wiped away. The tides, the torrents of suffering, they'll cease. and They'll be replaced by a peace that surpasses anything we can ever imagine anything we can ever understand. Right? No more hospital calls. Right? No more ambulances. No more police cars. There won't be any need for them. There won't be any need. There'll be no need for daddies to carry the tiny casket of their daughter in their arms out of a church. 
it will all be, it will all be as it was meant to be. In the meantime, in the meantime, church, in all the days before that day, capital T, capital D, we go through hardships, right? We go through trials, we go through tribulations. In all those days before that day, we suffer in faith, we persevere with endurance, we wait, we stand, we hope in glorious expectation. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.